speaking with their feet and their voices today. Better wages! Better Negotiate a fair contract. Tonight, the rallying cries from the front lines of our health care system and the calls for action echoing from Toronto's streets to the halls of Queen's Park. Good evening. We'll bring you that story shortly, but we start tonight with an update to something we first showed you Monday. Field police tonight say they have arrested seven people, all charged with trying to kill a Brampton high school student, and all but one of the accused are underage. CTV's Mike Walker joins us from Brampton tonight. Mike, what are you hearing from police? Well, Michelle, police are not saying what led to the stabbing in the school parking lot here on Monday. But what they do tell us is that six of the seven suspects charged with attempted murder are just 17 and 16 years old. It was a violent fight, police say, outside of Brampton High School that has left a 17-year-old boy with serious injuries after being stabbed. And now six boys and one adult are facing charges. When this altercation occurred in the parking lot, that there were weapons, uh, multiple weapons, and it's my understanding that they're all students from there. It happened just after 11 Monday morning at Sandalwood Heights Secondary School. Since then, police have charged seven people with attempted murder, including 18-year-old Modosar Mosmer, plus six boys, five 17-year-olds and one 16-year-old. One of the boys has also been charged with pointing a firearm and uttering death threats. This is extremely saddening to think that these youths are now facing such severe uh, charges of attempt murder when these circumstances could have been avoided just by using your words. Investigators also recovered two replica firearms after searching three homes and two vehicles in Brampton. Some students are still reeling. It's rough. I got to come to school every day knowing that, you know, I could, something could happen. Scary, you know, happen, knowing that a... Uh, a stabbing happened here at school. It's a little unsafe, I guess. More precautions in the school, maybe. Parents picking up their kids today are also concerned. That it never should happen again. We're thinking teachers are, you know, teaching them. They're learning. And then this end up happening. It's nerve-wracking. I really feel insecure for my kids. The Peel District School Board says throughout the week, support staff and a social worker have been on site to provide mental health and well-being support for students and staff. This support will be in place at the school for as long as it's needed. The six boys charged cannot be identified under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. Police say the victim is expected to recover from his injuries. Now, all seven of the accused have made their first court appearances within the past 24 hours. Police say there are no outstanding suspects. Reporting live in Brampton, I'm Mike Walker. Michelle. Back to you. Thank you, Mike. Peel police are sharing the details of an investigation that saw suspects flee into Toronto yesterday, prompting lockdowns at local schools. Peel officers were pursuing three suspects accused of armed robberies in Brampton. Toronto police were then called to the area of Weston Road in Finch when a man was spotted with a gun. There were lockdowns at nearby Emory Collegiate and St. Basil the Great College School as officers arrested five suspects. A 17-year-old boy is charged with robbery and using an imitation firearm. Three other 17-year-olds and an 18-year-old face related charges. Thousands of nurses across Ontario converged on Toronto's core for much of the afternoon today, calling for more support and a better contract. To lock in a dispute with the Ford government over wages and what they say is a lack of respect. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now. Siobhan, you were at the rallies today. 
Uh, Nathan, this demonstration started outside the Sheridan Center, moved here along Hospital Row up to Queen's Park. In that crowd, you could really get a sense of how frustrated nurses who work in hospitals have been. Some of the heartbreak they've endured the last few years. They say in a new contract, there has to be a new tone. Nurses as far as the eye could see marching through the streets of downtown Toronto demanding more. We need to be respected and there needs to be an investment into nursing and our other healthcare professionals but in our public system. Their message blasted to negotiators working with a mediator on a collective agreement for hospital nurses. A fair contract that enable us as nurses to provide better care with adequate staffing and providing us better wages will enable us to do that. Wages stifled by Bill 124, which has capped wage increases at 1% over the last three years, is a central issue. With pay held down, nurses say their work lives are getting worse. That message shared with those in political power. We just want the government to understand that we are working really hard and we deserve so much better. Being in this crowd brought Rachel Talbot to tears, tears of anger and frustration. I had to go on a stress leave. Um, it's taken a toll on my mental health. I went through a depression. My family had to go through it with me. It's the government's treatment, management's treatment. Enough is enough. For nurses with decades of experience, heavy workloads are speeding up their retirement. Short of staff, not enough, you know, cannot provide proper patient care. It's just was getting too stressful. Inside the hospitals where these nurses work. We're short OR nurses. We're short inpatient nurses. And there's hope a new contract will improve wages and working conditions enough. So that we can retain our nurses and that not people aren't going to keep leaving because people are leaving to do travel nursing and I don't blame them. When you want to negotiate, you talk to those who have the power. After a rally on the grounds of Queen's Park, nurses say they will be back. The Ontario Nurses Association tells me tonight that mediation is finished. What's not clear is if that means that they have a tentative agreement or if their labor dispute is headed to arbitration sometime this spring. The union says they'll have more to say tomorrow morning. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Meantime, the province is once again extending a tuition freeze for most post-secondary students. That means during 2023-2024, Ontario students at public universities and colleges won't see tuition rates go up. Domestic out-of-province students could see an increase of up to 5%. The Ford government reduced tuition fees by 10% in 2019-2020 and has frozen them since. The PCs also ended the previous government's free tuition program for low-income students. Meddling with our elections, MPs are grilled about foreign interference and threats to national security. Could more have been done to protect your vote? That's coming up. A live look of Toronto at this hour. It is calm out there right now. Nice evening for a skate. But in about 24 hours, another major system is expected to slam into our region. The third in just over a week. Lindsay Morrison joins us now with the details of what we can expect. And Lindsay, just as we're getting used to some decent weather. I know, and we're in for a change once again, Michelle. This could end up being our most significant snow of the season, if you can believe it. Just recently, Environment Canada upgrading a winter storm watch for the city of 
Toronto to a warning and you'll notice that it includes a widespread area of the GTA with 15 to 25 centimeters of snow possible by Saturday morning. So here's a look at what to expect. The snow going to begin late afternoon tomorrow, intensify through the overnight and into Saturday. In fact, uh, snowfall rates could be at about four centimeters per hour. Right now we're calm. We've got northwesterly winds and the temperature not too bad out there. We'll be right around the freezing mark for tomorrow, which means that some areas could get a little bit of mixing. Lots to talk about when it comes to your Friday forecast. We'll take you through it coming up. For now, though, Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Lindsay. Police in York Region say they freed dozens of alleged human trafficking victims as part of a major investigation. The efforts have been titled Project Norte. Police say they rescued 64 Mexican-born nationals who were exploited through an international labor trafficking ring. Seven suspects were arrested and charged. The investigation was carried out alongside the Canada Border Services Agency and with the support of other police services. Police are scheduled to release more details at a news conference tomorrow morning. Durham residents now know who their next police chief will be. The region's police services board says Toronto Police Staff Superintendent Peter Moreira will take over the job March 24th as outgoing Chief Todd Rollauer begins his retirement. Chief Designate Moreira said he's lived in Durham region his entire life and being named to the role is a dream come true. He added he embraces the new challenge with humility and eagerness. An Ontario woman can't believe how her travel insurance company handled the care of her dad in Mexico after he had a stroke. The family believes the insurer may have cut costs and missed a window to get him home. CTV's John Woodward joins us now with this exclusive. John. Yeah, Nathan, it's a case where there's a lot of finger pointing going on with a family member who is in medical school herself saying things could have gone differently. It's scary. It's worrisome. And it's also very hard being so far from home. Stephanie Hammond and her husband Phil rushed to Puerto Vallarta last week after her dad David had a stroke. He was recovering in hospital and appeared stable only a few days ago, according to Stephanie, who is a med student specializing in stroke care. What is your name? What is my name? Yes. She says that was the time to move him to Canada, but says their insurance company, the McLennan Group, wanted to wait for their previously booked flight home. The insurance company expressed that they wanted to see if perhaps my dad would be well enough to get on that flight that was already booked. That's when she says David Hammond's condition deteriorated with another stroke. It is frustrating because there was a period of time where my dad was much more stable. And if a flight had been arranged at that time, I, I feel very strongly that he would have been able to come back to Ontario. The insurer told them it tried to get a bed at Oakville Trafalgar Hospital, but couldn't. Something that has been a problem as Ontario's healthcare system struggled with waves of respiratory diseases in the new year. What we've seen more recently is hospital staff shortages. So uh, if they don't have the, the staff available, then they may not be able to take on new patients. But the hospital denies it's had any capacity problems in the past 10 days, telling CTV News, Halton Healthcare regularly monitors patient volumes and plans for potential surges and makes adjustments as needed. This is not a problem at this time. On Wednesday, Mexican doctors concluded Hammond was stable enough to fly, but only to Florida. As of Thursday morning, Hammond was in the emergency room at Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami. Manulife, which underwrites the policy, tells CTV News, we strive to do everything within our power to serve our customers and are proactively assisting the individual and his family during this very difficult time. 
Lawyer Nanesh Kotek saying the insurance company may learn a lesson from this given the price of health care in the U.S. At the end of the day, the insurance company is going to be paying out a lot more money than it would have had it just arranged air transport in the first place. The Hammonds just hoping they can get on another plane soon back to Canada. The Hammonds did want to come forward because it's almost spring break and there will be a lot of people traveling and they want anyone facing a medical emergency to jump at the chance to come home. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you. Thanks, John. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. One of our CTV News colleagues in Kitchener is listed in serious condition in hospital after she was hit by a car while reporting on a crash. Stephanie Valella was taking pictures of a two-vehicle collision in Guelph at an intersection blocked off by police when she was hit by a car. The driver stayed on the scene. So far, no charges have been laid, but anybody with information is asked to contact investigators. Here in the city, police traffic services say this car was involved in a crash and rollover at around 5.30 this morning near Broadview and Eastern Avenue. The driver, in his 20s, was rushed to hospital in serious but non-life-threatening condition. He was also arrested for suspected impaired driving. The car was flipped back over by 8 a.m., but the intersection was blocked for several more hours. Ontario and other provinces are no longer receiving rapid COVID-19 tests from the federal government. Ottawa stopped shipping them at the end of last month. Health Canada says the decision was made in consultation with the provinces and territories who have enough supplies. There are 90 million of the antigen tests in the federal inventory. About 80,000 of those are set to expire within six months and 6.5 million within the year. The rest expire within two years. Canada's top security officials confirmed today that China is the biggest concern. The head of CSIS and others were grilled about alleged Chinese state meddling in the past two federal elections. CTV's Judy Trin has the details from Ottawa. Top intelligence officials are clear about the biggest threat to Canada's democracy. CSIS continues to view hostile activities by foreign state actors as the most significant strategic threat CSIS says foreign governments are trying to undermine democracy through cyber attacks, misinformation and espionage. There were 158 complaints about potential interference in 10 situations during the 2019 federal election and 16 complaints in 13 situations in the 2021 election. The election commissioner says those complaints are now being reviewed. We cannot totally shield ourselves from foreign interference, especially in an open and free society, but we can and we must increase our resiliency. The review is happening in light of recent media reports from the Globe and Mail and Global News about the Chinese government's attempts to get favorable candidates elected in the past two elections. None of those allegations triggered a police probe. We did not receive any actionable intelligence uh, that would warrant us to initiate a criminal investigation. The country's top spy wouldn't comment on the allegations, but acknowledged concerns. We have been clear that the principal threat to Canada comes from the People's Republic of China. But to be clear, the threat does not come from the Chinese people, but rather from the Chinese Communist Party and the government of China. The communities have been shouting and screaming about foreign state interference in Canadian elections for years. This activist says despite sounding the alarm, members of the diaspora are now afraid of being attacked. I'm scared that 
community members are going to be seen as proxies um, of the Chinese party state. Although foreign meddling has occurred in the past, federal officials say none of it was enough to alter the outcome of elections. Along with China, CSIS also names Iran and Russia as state actors that have tried to interfere with Canada's democratic institutions. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa. Will it fly? Problems at Pearson Airport have reached new heights lately, and there are calls for a new approach to screen passengers more quickly and prevent delays. Details coming up. The RCMP in British Columbia have confirmed the deaths of three people in an avalanche. I'm not aware of any particular warnings in that region. However, um, BC has seen several uh, you know, devastating avalanches in which people have been getting caught up in. Four other Hellas skiers are expected to recover after being injured in yesterday's tragedy southwest of Invermere. They were in a group of 10 caught up in the avalanche. All were foreign nationals except for a local guide. Police are working to notify next of kin. Twelve people have died in avalanches in B.C. this season. In Greece, the death toll has risen to 57 following the country's rail disaster. A passenger train and a freight train collided late Tuesday. More than 50 people remain in hospital as the grim recovery effort continues. The cause of the crash is still not clear. The local station manager has been charged with manslaughter and a judicial inquiry is trying to determine why the two trains were on the same track. Greek rail workers went on strike today, halting national train service and the subway in Athens. They're protesting what they describe as a failure to modernize the rail system. The workers say there was a lack of funding during the financial crisis that gripped the country for most of the previous decade. And that has left the train system in a dangerous state. Greece's transport minister resigned following the disaster. We've got some breaking news tonight from the world of business. Fashion retailer Nordstrom says it is shutting down all of its 13 Canadian stores less than a decade after first landing here. CTV Scott Lightfoot joins us now. Scott, what's the reasoning? Michelle, the company says it no longer makes sense to keep Canadian operations going. I can tell you it's business as usual inside the Nordstrom here at the Eaton Centre. Most of the people shopping inside have no idea that the store they're in will be closing very shortly. The company made the announcement this afternoon. It says after careful consideration, it has decided to wind down all Canadian business operations. The decision affects not only six Nordstrom stores across Canada, but seven Nordstrom rack stores, which is the discount arm of the high-end chain. The company opened in Canada back in 2014 to great fanfare. Now, just nine years later, it is leaving. The company says it will wind down its online shopping site today and it will be closing stores by late June. Some retail analysts say they are not that surprised by today's announcement. Those in the industry, uh, like myself, are, are probably not really surprised because a lot of us really thought, you know what, these stores are big, they're huge, you know, and do you really need all these stores? Is Canada big enough for all these stores you know does it make sense we just don't have the same density as the U.S. so when these stores were built a lot of us were kind of wondering if they would work so sadly it's not a big surprise that they eventually have bowed out here. Now walking around the store this afternoon after the announcement was made you could see employees standing together talking uh, some I overheard some discussing what they might do with their future the company says it has about 2500 employees across Canada who are now out of a job the company also says this will not affect Nordstrom's US operations. Reporting live outside the Eaton Center I'm Scott Lightfoot Nathan Michelle back to you.
Getting a little loud there. Thank you, Scott. Britain's spy chief has apologized following the release of the third and final report into the 2017 bombing in Manchester. 22 people were killed. More than 200 were injured when a man detonated a homemade bomb after an Ariana Grande concert. Today, the chair of the public inquiry into the attack said there was a realistic possibility intelligence could have been obtained that might have prevented the bombing. He did not elaborate, but a member of MI5 testified the domestic spy agency considered the bomber to be a possible national security concern, but did not discuss it with colleagues quickly enough. A major fire broke out today at a construction site in a popular shopping district of Hong Kong. The blaze erupted at around 11 p.m. local time at the Mariners Club Redevelopment Project. Flames roared through several floors and four adjacent buildings also caught fire. But those blazes were extinguished. The site is surrounded by a shopping center, several hotels, and some residential and commercial buildings. One building close by was evacuated. No injuries have been reported. A new crew is rocketing toward a rendezvous with the International Space Station. Three, two, one, engines full power, and liftoff. The foursome lifted off from Florida's Kennedy Space Center early today. NASA's two astronauts are joined by a Russian cosmonaut and only the second person from the United Arab Emirates to fly to space. They will arrive tomorrow. The first launch attempt was called off on Monday because of a clogged filter in the engine ignition system. Back on Earth, authorities at Pearson Airport are working to avoid another season of traveler turbulence. This week, they pledged to limit the number of flights to reduce delays. Tonight, they're looking at ways to shorten screening lines, and they're eyeing, eyeing help from Ottawa to do it. CTV's John Musselman is at Pearson Airport tonight. John, what is the airport asking for? Well, Nathan, they're pushing for what they want to refer to as a unique Canadian version of a trusted traveler program to uh, move passengers through these terminals quicker. Pearson Airport has taken a number of hits to its reputation in the past year, including a ranking as the world's worst airport for delays. Passengers have complained about delays, lost baggage and long security lines. Now a coalition led by the GTAA and area business leaders is trying to make things better. A major push is underway to roll out a trusted traveler program to move people through the terminals faster. Unlike Nexus, this would be a unique Canadian program, says Deborah Flint, the CEO of the Greater Toronto Airport Authority. Trusted Traveler is a Canadian government-run only program, uh, which pre-vets uh, travelers. Uh, they file an application. They may have an interview with a government official or that their background will be uh, vetted by government. And then they have a special card and they can use a special line where the risk-based approach is taken with them because they're a known traveler. It would be similar to the pre-check system that is commonly used at U.S. airports. This American traveler uses it. You don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take out your uh, liquids. You know, it's just a, a much quicker way to get through, and uh, I enjoy that. I use it all the time. John Graddock is an aviation expert at McGill University in Montreal. He says it could work here, but there are still many unanswered questions about how people would apply and how much it would cost the average traveler. I don't think they've gone through the actual mechanics of how this will be done. I think they're just making an announcement to tell people that it's coming. Um, stay off our case. We, uh, we, we're doing what we can to kind of expedite your process through the airport. Meanwhile, Nexus is a joint border crossing program between the United States and Canada. 
You apply and are interviewed by border security in both countries before you are vetted and approved. The fee is $50 U.S. for a five-year membership. The proposed expansion of the National Trusted Traveler Program would reduce security inspection of shoes and laptops and allow more passengers to get through the airport faster. Absolutely. That would be great. If your front door on a major retail street sticks, is blocked, it's complicated to get in, it's too heavy to open, guess what? People have options. They will go to the next door down the street. That is not acceptable. The federal government launched a trusted traveler pilot project last year. Officials at today's news conference are asking that that program be expanded. And keep in mind, if you are flying tomorrow, there is some nasty weather coming late afternoon into the night. You're asked to check with your airlines uh, before you head out here to Pearson. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back inside to you. Thanks, John. Coming up with the help of some powerful voices, Kids Help Phone launches a national movement to transform Canada's e-mental health landscape and expand access to services. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, when you use your bank card, you have to be careful. No one sees your secret PIN code. But what if they do? And what if your card is lost or stolen? A woman has been told she has to pay back more than $3,000 taken from her bank account. I'll have my report just ahead. All is calm tonight. It's a good one to maybe prepare for tomorrow. Overnight low, minus 5 degrees. Wind chill, minus 7. Tomorrow, the morning commute not going to be impacted by this storm. But by late afternoon, early evening, we've got the leading edge of the system moving in. By late evening, travel is not going to be recommended. We will have very heavy snow and powerful winds as well. Once we get past tomorrow night and early Saturday, it's a pretty good-looking weekend. We'll take you through the forecast coming up. And stay with us. We have another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. We all know when we use our bank debit card, we have to be careful to shield the pin code so no one can see it. But what if your bank card is lost or stolen and thieves are able to get into your bank account and steal your money? Pat Foran has this consumer alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle. And Nathan, a Whitby woman says it was last fall when her bank card went missing at a gas station. Thieves deposited fake checks and stole more than $3,000. And even though security video shows it wasn't her, she still has to pay back the money. I was at the gas station. Um, that's the last place to use my card. Jessica Lyons of Whitby says it was last October when she used her bank card at a gas station. She didn't notice it was missing until the next day when her bank accounts were frozen due to fraudulent activity. I freaked out. <laughs> I freaked out because I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost my card. Someone used Lyon's bank card over a period of 24 hours to deposit three fraudulent checks at three different RBC locations. They were then able to withdraw almost $3,300. Following an investigation, Lyon's was told there was security video showing it wasn't her who deposited the fake checks, but she was told she must have given out her secret PIN code. I thought I had my card and I realized I lost my card. No PIN was never given to anybody. Lyons says she has a daily withdrawal limit of $1,500, so she's not sure why the transactions were allowed to go through. The bank told Lyons she is responsible and must repay the funds and sent her account to a collection agency. Put me to tears because I was not expecting. I thought they would actually help me out being their loyal customer. 
Lyons is with RBC. A spokesperson said customers must immediately notify the bank if a card is lost or stolen and that clients have a responsibility to maintain the security of their account to prevent the possibility of fraudulent transactions. This includes memorizing their PIN if possible and keeping it secure by never sharing this information with others. RBC agreed to review Lyons' case again, but she's been told she is at fault for the stolen money and to pay up. I don't know how I'm going to pay this money, to be honest. It's going to be very hard. And pins can be captured by card readers known as skimmers, or your code could be recorded by hidden cameras. Always double-check you have your bank card, and if it goes missing, report it right away, or you could be held liable for losses. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. A storm system headed our way tomorrow is moving east after dumping snow on parts of the U.S. Uh, not used to such weather. This is Flagstaff, Arizona, which received a significant amount of snow. And now the storm that pummeled parts of California recently is expected to produce large damaging hail and possible tornadoes as it crosses New Mexico, Texas, Arkansas and the other and other states. It produced strong winds in some areas earlier, knocking down a traffic sign uh, in one area last night. Hopefully it doesn't get like that for us, uh, but we are getting enough snow that it's certainly bound to cause some problems for people. Right, they're not used to it, but we are used to it. We've been getting quite a few of late. We have, and what's interesting about this particular storm is that, yes, we are in for another significant helping of snow. Not as much this time around as far as mixed precipitation is concerned, and the way the models are looking right now, uh, we could get our heaviest snowfall of the season so far. Look at that beautiful sunset, though, just, oh, before, we, just before we shift gears. I want to talk about something positive before focusing on a forecast that maybe not everyone is too excited about, especially if you maybe had plans to kick off the weekend. You might reconsider some travel Friday night uh, if you were maybe thinking about that. Let me take you through the forecast and give you an idea of what's in store. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Now, just about less than two hours ago, Environment Canada upgraded our winter storm watch to a warning here in the city of Toronto. So we are expecting anywhere from 15 to 25 centimeters of snow with this incoming system. Very strong winds as well, which could uh, create blowing snow conditions out on the roads tomorrow night. Uh, areas under the special weather statement along the north shore of Lake Erie. Lesser amounts of snow because this is the part of the province where there could be a little more in the way of mixing. And then Niagara, still a couple of question marks for you. But here comes that Texas low merging with the energy that brought snow to California and parts of Arizona. Here's how it's going to impact us. So first First, let's talk about the winds. We are expecting gusts anywhere from between 60 and 80 kilometers per hour at the worst point of the storm tomorrow night. So that's going to reduce visibility and under heavy wet snow could also lead to some power outages. So just be prepared for that. As mentioned, maybe 15 to 25 centimeters of snow in the hardest hit areas. See those dark pockets of blue? That's where some of the heaviest snow could end up being. In some cases, maybe closer to 30 centimeters of snow. 
It will be a heavy, wet snow, difficult for shoveling. Timeline was waking up tomorrow morning, your morning commute is not impacted. It's as we make our way into the late afternoon and early evening that the leading edge of that storm moves in from west to east. Uh, through the evening, we are impacted here in the GTA. The worst time to be out on the road tomorrow night is going to be between about 8 p.m. and midnight, but this storm continues into the overnight hours as well. It finally, the snow tapers off through the morning hours on Saturday, and then and we're going to see some cloud cover start to clear and have a pretty decent Saturday afternoon. Waking up tomorrow morning, this is what we're in for. Temperature below the freezing mark, eventually climbing to a high of one degree. And again, we'll be around zero for a portion of the day, which again makes things a little bit tricky for a changeover to some rain or maybe some ice pellets. Here's the seven day forecast. We're mild over the weekend, up around five degrees for Sunday. That could help melt down some of the snow. And then early next week, a pretty pleasant looking outlook. Uh, Lots of sunny days, Monday, Tuesday, perhaps Wednesday and Thursday, too. That's the weather for now. I'll send it over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. The Art Gallery of Ontario is planning a major expansion that could see its total display space increase by 30%. Canada Goose's chairman and CEO donated a lead gift of $35 million for a new modern and contemporary gallery that will bear his name. The AGO says the 40,000 square foot space will help showcase more of its growing collection with at least 13 new galleries across five floors. The project is still undergoing a municipal and public review process. Kids Help Phone joins forces with talented musicians calling on Canada to feel out loud. Coming up, the new movement to expand mental health services to every corner of this country. Bracing for a winter blast tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast with heavy snow ahead, tracking conditions and closures across the GTA. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. Kids Help Phone has just announced the largest campaign ever in Canada to deal with youth mental health. The $300 million initiative is called Feel Out Loud. And our health reporter Pauline Chan was there for the big launch today. Pauline. Well, Nathan, it was an event held at Universal Music instead of kids' help phone offices because music is a big part of Feel Out Loud. If you should fall to pieces, please know you're not alone. What I Wouldn't Do, North Star Calling is the new anthem for hope in youth mental health for Canada. I think being able to feel like you can be comfortable enough to talk about the things that are hard is the first step to, to healing. Singer-songwriter Serena Ryder panned What I Wouldn't Do more than a decade ago, but the song still resonates. Mental wellness and access to care and people to actually be able to talk to as youth is I think one of the most important things um, and it's very, very important to me um, personally. It's something that I have struggled with since I was a young child. It's joined with a song by Leela Gilday, who is from the Northwest Territories. The song uh, North Star Calling that I originally wrote in 2018 with my husband, Daryl Mack, was in response to um, our staggering and devastating suicide rates in the North and in our Indigenous communities. The music video features Buffy St. Marie, Alessia Cara, Tyler Shaw, Sarah McLaughlin, 51 top Canadian artists in all. It was released today along with a new Feel Out Loud campaign video. You okay? I'm fine. 
Right now, youth in Canada are in crisis. That affects us all. To support the new campaign, both BCE and BMO are donating $15 million. First telephone counselling service that young people could call any time of day, any time of night to access a professional counsellor. Bell CEO Mirko Bibic noted that Bell Canada was on board to help create Kids Help Phone 34 years ago and it continues to support innovative youth mental health services even now. And one of the key focuses of the new campaign is developing access for young people from all regions and all diverse groups. Bell is the parent company of CTV. Reporting live, I'm Pauline Chan. Michelle, let's go back to you. Thank you, Pauline. The City of Toronto is launching a new round of applications for its Youth Violence Prevention Grant. Following the program's start in 2020, community agencies in priority neighbourhoods can now apply for some of the $2.2 million available in funding. That money is earmarked for violence prevention programming, serving residents ages 10 through 29. Applications are open until April 11th at noon. Instagram is rolling out a new safety tool for younger users in Canada. The social network owned by Meta now requires age verification from account holders who try to change their age from under to over 18 years old. Instagram says the rules being put in place to ensure teens and adults are in the right experience for their age group. Well, what are you going to do? Seriously. The first trailer is out for Disney's latest remake of Haunted Mansion. Well, what are you going to do? Seriously. Yeah. They're already dead. Yeah. They're going to be deader. Okay. Rosario, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Lakeith Stanfield, and Danny DeVito are just some of the stars featured. This movie follows a family's quest to clear a home of ghosts. The movie is a reference to that classic ride at Disneyland. And HBO's out with its new look at the upcoming season of Succession. I love you, but you are not serious people. The trailer sets the stage for several clashes between media magnate Logan Roy and his feuding family members. Succession season four is split into 10 episodes, debuting March 26th on Crave. Crave and CTV are divisions of Bell Media. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. This is a horrible nightmare. This can't be true. Lured by the promise of love. These people are usually vulnerable, lonely. Now facing life in prison. She's looking at serious jail time. W5 exposes. Your mom had married this guy? A web of deception. This guy's turning you into a drug runner. And one family's desperate fight. I'm never going to see my mom again. An all-new W5 with Avery Haynes. Saturday at 7 on CTV. I gotta come to school every day knowing that, you know, I could, something could happen. Updating our top stories, Peel police have arrested seven people, including six teenagers, in connection with a stabbing outside of a Brampton high school earlier this week. The accused are facing attempted murder charges, while the 17-year-old victim remains in hospital with serious injuries. We need to be respected, and there needs to be an investment into nursing, Thousands of nurses across Ontario gathered in downtown Toronto calling for more support from the provincial government. The latest rally in an ongoing battle over wages and a new contract. Right now, youth in Canada are in crisis. That affects us all. Health. 
Some Canadian artists are throwing their support behind youth mental health. In an effort to reach young Canadians, the artists recorded a new anthem. The $300 million fundraising initiative is called Feel Out Loud and aims to expand mental health services. Another one of our top stories tonight, the fall of Nordstrom in Canada. BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen has more on why and what it means for shoppers. Nordstrom says it does not see a realistic path to profitability for its Canadian business. So Nordstrom Canada is shutting down all of its locations and its website and filing for creditor protection. Nordstrom has been in Canada just shy of a decade. It operates six Nordstrom stores and seven discount Nordstrom rack stores. Those are all set to close by the end of June. The company says its website, Nordstrom.ca, will cease working today. Nordstrom employs 2,500 people in Canada. Canadian bookstore chain Indigo is warning employees their personal data may end up on the dark web. The company says the data was stolen when it was hit by a cyber attack earlier this month. Indigo now says the attackers used ransomware software called Lockbit, which has been affiliated with Russian organized crime. In a statement, Indigo says, given we cannot be assured that any ransom payment would not end up in the hands of terrorists or others on sanctions lists, Indigo has determined it would be inappropriate to pay the ransom. The company says the data stolen belonged to former and current employees, not customers. Meanwhile, a new survey suggests more Canadians feel vulnerable to fraud and identity theft, particularly online. The survey by credit monitoring firm Equifax says 85% of respondents feel vulnerable online and most believe social media in particular poses a higher risk. Nearly one in five say they've clicked on a fraudulent link in their feed. Though they are trying to be more protective of their personal information, almost half say they are sharing less on social media. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is essentially flat at 73.55 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained almost 50 cents to about $78 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select gained 22 cents to roughly $62 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX added 77 points to end the day at 20,337.21. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. On the ice, the Maple Leafs are looking to rebound following last night's drubbing in Edmonton. Drysettle will bring it back in. Here's McDavid. Drysettle. McDavid scores. Toronto was just outplayed by Connor McDavid and the Oilers in a 5-2 loss. McDavid netted two goals, making him just the fifth player in history to have a multi-goal streak of at least five games. The Leafs stay in Alberta to face the Flames, who've dropped three straight. Racing down the court. The Raptors are also back in action tonight, tipping off a five-game road trip in Washington. Toronto is coming off a win over Chicago on Tuesday. The team sits ninth in the East, while the Wizards are tenth. Just ahead, behold McDonald's new menu item. The Canadian version of the chicken Big Mac, years in the making. It's the work of a Toronto chef. We'll meet him next. Canadian customers are about to get a new twist on the Big Mac, a crispy chicken version. But as Beth McDonnell reports, it wasn't as simple as swapping out the beef for bird. A Toronto chef spent years crafting the new menu item. Biting into it for the first time, you get the 
crack of the pickle. Some may see it as simply another sandwich or a slightly gussied up chicken burger. But for those with a zest for the new and never before released, the chicken Big Mac may take the cake at McDonald's. What I love about it is that it is, it tastes like a Big Mac with a different Protein. Jeff Anderson is the Toronto area trained chef on the menu team who's been perfecting Canada's version of the chicken Big Mac. He has a background working in restaurants and hotels. It's been a project more than two years in the making. When we're looking at these type of innovations that we're following, you know, the identity of the Big Mac, but that we're bringing it in to, you know, our Canadian sourced chicken, our dairy is produced in Canada. So we do have to take those elements and how do we scale those up? Chicken sandwiches with cheese. The chicken Big Mac was not solely crafted in the kitchen. Hacks posted to social media also inspired Anderson's team from special orders to inventive menu combinations. Chicken nuggets, small mini and Big Mac. With so many do-it-yourself chicken Big Mac eaters already out there, Anderson admits they wanted to get its release right before serving them up at Canada's 1,400 restaurant locations. We're super excited to bring the Chicken Big Mac to Canadian customers, and we can't wait to hear the feedback. Earlier versions of the Chicken Big Mac were tried in the U.S. and U.K., but come Tuesday, Canadians will get their chance to take a bite for a limited time. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. All right, took two years, mm. better be good. Will you try it? Yeah, at least once. I'm more of a Nuggets person, I don't know, how about yeah. you? Yeah, I'm up for trying it for sure. I, I tend to go for the McChicken over the Big Mac mm. anyway, so we'll see what happens. Uh, there is lots on order when it comes to this particular <laughs> storm. My goodness, lots happening. Let's take one more look at the weather warnings that are now in place. It's a winter storm warning for us here in the city of Toronto for the west end, the east end, north toward the city of Barrie, still under a special weather statement for communities along the north shore of Lake Erie, and it's a winter storm watch for Niagara. Just want to remind you one more time of what you can expect with this particular storm. 15 to 25 centimeters of snow is going to be possible. You know, our last big storm, uh, the most measurable snow we've had so far here in Toronto was about 17 and a half centimeters, and that was on February 22nd, so not that long ago. We've had a couple of storms since then, too. It's been a very active weather pattern, but over the next seven days, once we get past tomorrow night and Saturday morning, things look to become a little bit quieter. We have a few flurries expected for the second half of the day on Saturday, maybe into Sunday too, but it will be mild. Lots of sunshine as we begin next week. But once again, plan ahead for tomorrow night into Saturday. Nathan and Michelle. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast with Pauline Chan. At 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.